I'd like to welcome you to the Builder of Choice series. We are happy you are here with us today for reliable schedules equals superior cash flow. Becoming a builder of choice means a builder establishes themselves as a leader in their market by creating and fostering relationships with their employees, trade partners, and customers. These are the builders everyone wants to work with. Builder of choice gives you the builder an edge above your competition. The Shin Group with the leadership of our founders, Chuck and Emma Shin, are passionate about helping you become the builder of choice in your market by focusing on tried and true principles. If you want to continue your learning beyond today, we have several programs available for you. Join us in one of our several live seminars, such as Managing for Profit or the Superintendent's Job. Visit the websites builderpartnerships.com or shinconsulting.com for current class schedules and other opportunities. The Builder of Choice series will continue to cover topics that help you become the builder of choice in your market. Other upcoming topics include checklists and their importance to becoming a builder of choice and how to design your homes to match your customer's budget. So be sure to keep your eye out for those coming up. Um, I'm Emma Jane, and I'm here with Jim Weigel and Ed Houck. Both Jim and Ed have extensive experience in the home building industry. They share a passion for efficiencies and schedules and its relationship to cash flow. They both understand that cash flow is the lifeblood of any home building company and to manage cash flow properly, you must have a well-managed schedule. So with that, let's dive into the relationship with schedules and cash flow. As we discuss this topic, we will touch on how managing these relationships will help you become a builder of choice. So Jim and Ed, can you two share the importance of a disciplined schedule on cash flow? Sure, I'll start out. Um, the main thing is if you have a reliable schedule, you can predict your cash flow, first of all, uh, as to when that house is going to be completed, uh, or if it's part of a, an attached project, when that unit's going to be ready or that, that entire building. Um, and you can then predict when your cash flow is going to come in after you pay off your loans and things. The other thing is the faster that you can do that, the more cash you can generate uh, every year because you're, you're you're closing homes more quickly. Um, the third way that it improves your cash flow is that you can spread your overhead uh, over and your fixed expenses over more units. And so that costs less per unit. And these days of, of higher, more normal interest rates, you will pay much less interest if it takes you a shorter period of time to build that home. Go ahead, Ed. Ed, you're muted. So if you're talking, we don't hear you. Alrighty. Well, I'm back. Oh, there you are. I oh, so, sorry, everybody. I'm at an airport. I have, I have a quiet spot, and just as I'm ready to talk, a machine came by. So I had to mute myself real quick. Anyway, Jim's 100% right. Um, you get build them fast. Uh, the last two years, our schedules got really long. And everybody blamed everything in the world about, about the schedules getting long. However, we have some builders that I call them very schedule-centric builders. They didn't lose that much time, okay? We got one builder who's, who's 85, day, 85 days uh, on a house. They were up to 95. They were, they were angry. So it's really getting the whole team focused on, and the trades focused on building. I was working with a builder in the southeast. They were about 180 days uh, per build. Um, in six months after focusing on it, it went from 180 down to 150 down to 120 and now they're back under 100 again 
And to Jim's point, that's just less cash you have out there. Another, another thing to think of is your buyers are dying to close quickly. The uncertainty with them and their mortgages is killing our buyers. Absolutely. So, Ed, I have a question for you on your builder that um, that reduced their cycle time significantly over the course of, I think you said, a year to 18 months. What were some of the um, things that they focused on first? What did they focus on first? Um, probably the, the first thing they focused on is they were showing up on the job sites and there was literally the crews were just sm very small crews. What happened is our crews were literally trying to make us happy and they were spreading themselves out. So the first, the very first step they did is start talking to trades and helping them improve their cash flow. When they start reducing their, their, how many people are in a house, all they're doing is spreading, spreading the build times out and hurting that, their cash flow. So they did this, this started in the winter, uh, it was about February, it started. And by August, they had cut their, their build times almost in half. And the biggest thing was talking to trades and getting the buy-in from the trades to start focusing and building quicker. That's amazing. And, and Jim, um, I'd like your input on this too. Now, hearing what they focused on and the immense change they had in their cycle time, what were some of, what are some of the things that a builder could expect to see as far as cash flow is concerned? Um, how's that impacting their business and what are some things they're going to notice as far as their cash flow goes throughout the, throughout that process? What's going to improve for them? Well, let's talk about cash flow in general. If you can, for example, for roughly every month that you can improve your, your build cycle, um, you'll be able to reduce the, the cash that you need to carry those homes by about 25%. You'll be able to, anywhere from about 10 to 25%, you'll be able to reduce the amount of loans you have to borrow uh, and the amount of equity that you need to support those loans. So that's really important from the builder's standpoint when it comes to their lenders and investors. Um, the other thing is, as, as Ed was getting at, customers these days, they really, they're so interest rate sensitive that if you can have a very reliable and shorter schedule, you can help them either buy down their own rates or you can help with that. And it's much less costly for them. So you don't have to pay as much to lock up that rate. Um, you'll actually encourage more people to buy your homes because a lot of buyers these days are very concerned that they can't get the interest rate when that house is ready. And so they don't even look or they don't even sign up that contract. The other thing is it, it helps you get, like Ed was saying, if your trades can make more money, then they will actually charge you a little bit less on a house. If, if their cash flow is more predictable, then they're going to want to work with you and they will probably give you a little bit lower break on, on the pricing uh, and the cost of, of their work. Well, that's, that's excellent. That's a great point. And um, what are some other ways that um, having an improved cash flow, what, how, other, how else does that impact your business? I know the other day we were talking about investments, borrowing positions, those kinds of things. So can you talk a little bit about how cash flow impacts those things that um, help your business? Sure. The biggest thing is if you can build up your cash balance a little bit more by, uh, by, by building your houses faster and then selling them and closing them as soon as they are ready uh, to, as soon as they're complete, 
then you can build up your, your cash balances and it gives you more choice as to if there's a land deal that comes up, you can go get it right away. Or these days you can build up your rainy day fund and maybe keep that staff, your, your key employees around a little bit longer in case there's a, a slowdown for a few months. So it gives you a lot more flexibility if you've got some cash. The other thing is if your cash and profitability and your leverage improve, then you're much more likely to, to be attractive to the banks these days. And you can handle some of the, the tighter, tougher terms that they're offering where they're requiring builders to put more cash in, especially on spec homes uh, or on land deals. Um, and if you really believe that, that it's, the market is gonna be here in another six to nine months, then you can start some specs and uh, build out of your own cash if you have it. So those are a few things that help. Well, and I like um, what you're saying too. It sounds like if you're able to manage your schedules better, improve your cash flow, it allows you the ability to weather the storm a little bit better. And it's one of the things Chuck has talked about for years is being prepared to weather any storm. So can you exactly. can you expand on that a little bit? What what does that mean exactly? Weather the storm and how is that, how is your cash flow in addition to some of those things? Is there anything else that, that that builders can be looking towards as far as schedules and cash flow management to continue to look forward to? Because every six months, I feel like since tw March of 2020, it's been a storm of some kind. So how how is managing the schedule and the cash flow going to help weather that that kind of storm? Well been working with a lot of our builder groups the past several weeks. Uh, so probably, you know, a good 30 builders that have been talking to. And everybody's concerned that we don't want to miss the market in during the next spring, you know, the January through May market next year. So we want to keep starting some spec homes so that we're, they're available. And then on the other hand, we've got a bunch of specs right now uh, that, that we haven't sold. And sales are kind of slow. And is that sales pace right now slow because it's just the normal seasonal decline? Or is it another harbinger of, of, of a, another slowdown in the building market generally? Well, either way, if we're building up our cash balances, if we can build that house, um, for example, as, as Ed was saying, if we can come down to 180 days to 100 days, now we don't have to forecast that much longer. We're only forecasting about three or four months out as to what's going to happen. So we we can re we don't have to start those specs hoping that six months later they may be there. Then we have to discount them. So it actually helps in our business planning tremendously. And I would say the biggest thing, it helps on people's stress level these days, kids. Should I start a spec? Should I start more specs? Uh, it's it's a very difficult decision for most builders, but it becomes a lot easier if you can build that home quickly. The other thing is if if you are building homes quickly, you can now go back to a pre-sale market and and sign up buyers quicker, uh, and they can put their own options in there and upgrades. So you're much less likely to have that sale risk. Um, and even if there, there's a cancellation risk, it's a lot, lot quicker that you can respond to that. So the faster you can build that home, the, the better off you are in so many business decisions. Plus, it makes your customers way more comfortable. 
you can get if you're building a fast enough i've seen i'm seeing some builders who are even getting longer terms from their trades and suppliers so they may not even have to pay those trades and suppliers until the closing of the home so that saves them money on on the loans that they have to borrow ed what do you think jim very good point i mean the speed is urgent the urgency is is key i'll start with the buyers first the builders that are can get those build times down can actually get full price for their houses okay um, the uncertainty with the builders are taking forever. You start seeing vacant job sites. By the way, buyers walk our job sites all the time. They're always out there. And they come driving in, they see no progress, and makes them, makes them very nervous. And to Jim's point on the trades, if you're building fast enough, uh, depending on your terms, I was always a proponent of trying to build, to, to pay weekly, whatever, you know, and, and negotiate from there. Right now, at the cost of money, I'm probably going to leverage my trades. If I'm building fast enough, I may not need my last straws. Think of how much money you can save there. So there's a whole lot of, to Jim's point about this, the spec versus you know, the, the to-be-built, the to-be-built market is very is safe. The problem with the buyers right now is they don't trust the builder. They don't trust us because it's taking too long. Um, and I literally just had lunch with my banker the other day talking to him about you know how fast we can build. That is what got, the, got, their, got their attention. The faster you're in, the faster you're out, the less risk there is. Exactly. Hmm. Jim, you're the ex-banker. You know, you know that's what they're looking at. You're exactly right. I mean, that, that speed of, of construction is helping all kinds of things. And most builders, I mean, we understand that we want to build the, the house fast. But the first thing we have to do is get control and make it predictable as to when, how long it's really going to take, because then we can make all kinds of other decisions. And once we've got control of it, we can start shortening the cycle time by increasing the crew sizes like Ed was getting at, by doing a whole bunch of things that, that uh, several of our builders are finally making great progress this year that they have not been able to make for many years. It's really impressive. Jim, you're 100% right. The, the builder on the southeast that I work with that made strides literally by watching crew size, it's a very simple concept. You know, it's called a manpower report. It's very old school. And by the way, no schedule system does this. This is your superintendents literally doing, you know, what, what's the first thing that happens in first grade every single day in class? They take roll call. We have a superintendent managing 15 to $20 million worth of volume and does not know who's on a job site. It's crazy. It's a simple little little t task every single day. Uh, I think, Emma Jean, we had a question from one of our builders about buy-in. The buy-in yes. is, is, the buy-in's easy. The first buy-in is I need my superintendents to understand that value. Um, I'm at an airport because I'm on the way to a superintendent seminar in New Orleans, and we do an exercise day two where I give some superintendents money and a business plan, and, and they start seeing the importance of building faster. Um, mm -hmm. You get, you get the superintendent's buy-in, and now, and Jim, Jim can speak to this, if my build, build time was 180 days and I can cut it in half, okay, 180 days is two cycles. I cut it in half, I have four cycles. Do the math on the interest. I just cut my build time in half. And by the way, our interest rates in the last year or so have about doubled for, for the builders. Mm -hmm. So, Jim, you know, I can get buy-in real easy with the, with the supers and the trades. All you have to do is talk to them and be very upfront and honest. And that's exactly that's the first place to start is that the 
the, the superintendents and the trades have to build the schedule themselves. They have to own it. They're the ones who are going to have to perform under it. So if you think you can just dictate a schedule to them, it won't work. The next step is you have to get data. Just like, just like Ed was saying, someone's got to be there in the morning, seeing if, if the materials are on site that are supposed to be there, seeing if the crew is on site and the right number. Um, and then the, the next piece is at the end of the day, has that job been complete? Have they done so it's ready for the next, next trade? Once we've got that kind of information, the third step is managing where it's out of whack. And this is where it, this is where it requires tremendous management, discipline, and commitment to actually go support your superintendents and your trades by removing the things that you do wrong all the time that screw up your trades and materials lives, like giving them the wrong paperwork or no paperwork, or uh, ordering too late or not having the job ready, uh, all those kinds of things that that cause our trades. To just say, well, this builder is just like anyone else. He's screwed up, so I'll I'll get there when I get there. So that that's what we're trying to work with is get can get that uh, buy-in from your an ownership of the schedule first. Get someone creating the data in the morning and in the evening, and then get another person who's actually holding yourself and your trades accountable to their performance. Ed, you got a lot more on that, I know. So, Jim, one of the things I like what you said is, is that date in the morning and the afternoon, the one thing this builder did was each area manager was supporting the superintendent. So at the end of the day, when trades were not even at the end of the day, about midday, you know, when they're falling behind, you have to have that conversation. And it became all hands on deck, the superintendent taking roll call, that manpower report. Uh, the other thing we look at as a productivity score at the end of the day, if yeah. I had 20 activities supposed to move forward on a particular day, just my luck, now the alarm's going off. Um, <laughs> if you had 20 activities supposed to move at the end of today, and by the way, if only you know a quarter of them um, or half of them moved, your schedules are literally double. That's what's, what was happening. This builder start managing that daily data and it literally start, you start watching the, the build times shrunk. Like every month I talked to them, it went from 180 to 150 to, to 120 you know, to 100, and then all four divisions were banging the door of 90, 90 days every single time. And to Jim's point is watching that data all the time. The other thing that Jim said that I, I really like, I really proponent of, you have to make sure everybody has buy-in. If you dictate it from your, your, the ivory tower and don't meet with the trades and get that buy-in, they're not going to do it. So yeah. make sure the whole team is looking at it. Um, the other thing that's very old school and somehow we got away from it, anybody in purchasing, you better start contracting for crew sizes and days. We used to do it years ago, and somehow, I don't know when, we stopped doing it, and I started asking builders all the time, purchasing, what did you contract for? Well, I contracted with a plumber. Well, that's not a contract. That's not a good contract. I want to know what crews are mine, how many people own a crew, how many days does it take, you know, and then talk to them. To Jim's point, if I say it's a one-day job, they're like, it's never a one-day job. It's a, it's a two-day job or a three-day. Whatever it might be, you got to get that buy-in. It's critical that everybody understands what it is and start contracting for it. Yeah, and I'll give you one more tip that seems ridiculously simple 
that we've been talking about for, I'm going to say at least two decades and probably longer. <laughs> but uh, this year I've heard so many trade or so many of my, our builder clients come up to me and say, you know what really worked? We hired someone on our team who can speak Spanish. You might be laughing to yourself, but it makes a huge difference if, if your trades can actually understand that you said be here on Tuesday rather than whenever they want, uh, rather than just nodding and smiling uh, and, and you hoping that it actually worked. You'd, you'd so, be amazed at that simple little thing. So you make a very good point um, that communication is key for making all of this work, communication with your trades, communication with your production team, communication with your purchasing team, communication with your leadership, and making sure that everybody's on the same page and having conversations about what needs to be fixed, how it needs to be fixed, and what are the benefits of it being fixed, and how what's in it for each of those different groups. What's in it for the trades if we have a better a better schedule? You talked about them getting paid more often and improving their cash flow. You talk about what's in it for the superintendent. You talk about what's in it for the, the um, area manager and then also for leadership and for the organization as a whole. You become more efficient. You build faster. The customers are happy. You have better cash flow. You're spreading the cost of building over four cycles or two ci three cycles instead of just two, which means you can do more with less people. Um, yep. So there's so many benefits to to actually studying this. And then another thing you talked about was um, we've been talking about the build cycle, but you alluded to some of the things that you need to do in the soft cycle, the pre-construction cycle that are important to manage as well with the um, getting the start packets together, making sure that you pass the information, you have all the information gathered and prepared before you actually start building. Do you wanna talk a little bit about that and how that helps um, improve the build cycle? Exactly, so think about it in terms of a, a custom builder maybe, or someone who's doing a lot of personalization up front before they start the home. If it takes them six months to get those plans ready and the permit ready and all the selections defined, and the, uh, everything done, well, then then they only have, and it may be next another six months to build the house. Well, they've just lost the exact same amount of time trying to get that ready. So all the overhead of their organization um, is is being spent. You've got six months worth of overhead that if you can shrink that to three months, you can now either reduce your overhead or build twice as many homes. And if you add into that a, a typical uh, builder who's building on their own lots, now you're carrying that land for another six months. Uh, the interest costs on that, the property taxes, et cetera. So, and, and all of the cash that you have tied up in that land, um, which is a huge amount, you're carrying that for six months longer. Whereas if you could get that down to one to three months, just think about how fast you could turn over your land, how how little less, how much less capital you would need, how much less you'd have to borrow from your banks. Right. Well, and think about, and the other thing, you know, we I know um, in our managing for profit, and I believe we do this in superintendent as well, the superintendent class, we talk about like if you how many superintendents you have and how many homes you're building and how many cycles. And, and can you share that chart a little bit as best we can without a visual 
what what is the impact of if you have 10 or five superintendents and you're building in two cycles could, how does that how does the cycle time improve your ability to build more with less people can you share that a little bit better than what i'm trying to say <laughs> yeah so let's say let's say you've got 15 houses that a superintendent can carry which is pretty typical guideline if you don't have a lot of windshield time so if that, if that superintendent is carrying 15 homes and it takes them all year to build that house, those homes, well, they, could, they can only handle 15 homes a year. Now think about that if they, if they could do that in six months. So they cut that in half. Now that, that superintendent without doing any more work is actually building twice as many homes and delivering twice as many homes if you have a six month schedule. That, that's, that's the essence of it. The, and everything else gets cut in half. The amount of loans that you have to have outstanding, the amount of capital that you have to have in equity to support those, those loans and in your business, uh, the amount of overhead that you have uh, per house, whether that's you know the superintendent's salaries, the porta potties and the dumpsters and, and the utilities, all of those costs gets get shrunk on a per unit basis as well. So you're actually making more money at the same time your cash and your capital requirements have dropped significantly. That's a pretty big impact. I think, Ed, did you have a couple comments on that as well? So this week with the superintendents to try and take you know all this business side down to their level. To Jim's point, if they're building, say they're building, they are building 15 houses and they're, they're supposed to carry. You should be in every house at least twice a day. We try to tell them that. In the morning, make sure it's being done. In the afternoon, make sure it got done. And again, to Jim's point, following those metrics. But we tell this, and the superintendents say, well, you know, my build times are long. So instead of 120, they're 180. Well, what's happening is you're still getting, they're, now, they're, now they're carrying 20 houses, maybe 22 houses, maybe 25 houses because it take them too long. So I explained to them, basically, with the one builder, I had them do the math and the exercise. Instead of walking 40,000 square feet of homes every day, that's about 15 houses times you know, 2,600 square feet. Instead of carrying 40,000 square feet, they're carrying 80,000 square feet of, 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 of houses they have to, that they're responsible for every day. It's actually less work to build faster for them. Mm -hmm. And they start to figure it out. The other thing is I always tell them, I said, don't share the number, but you're building houses in 180 days and I should be building them in 90 days. Do that math on your bonus. That's what it's doing to the operation. Mm -hmm. you know, and you take it down to their level. And this is what you have to get them to understand because, and I need to support them. Jim had mentioned this, the production manager, purchasing. The one thing I always ask, you know, I was with a builder in, in the South this spring and I asked the purchasing manager, how often does he get out in the field? And the answer was, I never go in the field. Well, guess what? The next morning he went in the field. And he had no idea what was going on out there until we start walking. So to Jim's point, I need the whole team to focus on this and understand the impact. When, I, when the superintendents do the math on how many square feet they're walking every day, I said, if you build faster, you go home earlier. Because yep. now you really are carrying 15 homes. By the way, 15 homes is easy. That's like a walk in the park to what they've been doing recently. You know, some of their numbers that Jim's put with windshield time, they're running, and we have a simple little calculator. You plug all these numbers in and then do the math at the end of the day. And it says they're supposed to be working 14 hours a day. They're not. So what's, 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 what's happening then? Your quality's going down. That's a whole nother subject. 
Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I like how you brought in the buy-in in that as well at talking about what's in it for me, you know, talking to them and telling them what's in it for them. Why, why do they want to do this? Not only is it easier for them to do more with it, if they are do, building faster, they're able to do more, but it's a lot easier to do because they're doing less at one time. The bonus opportunity is, is better because the, the company is building more homes with less resources and everybody wins. And so you talk about this win-win relationship in that, and it, and it, it comes out um, positive for everybody. Hey, I have a couple of questions that kind of fit into this little, this, this area of topic. Um, one is what's the typical pre-construction time? We just finished talking about uh, the pre-construction schedule. What would you say is a typical, and I guess it depends on from region to region, because we've had builders tell us it depends on the permitting. Some areas they can do permitting very quickly. So there's shorter, shorter pre-construction times, but I'll let you guys answer that. Well, I'll give you an ideal and then Ed can add some stuff too. But I would say two weeks if you are trying to figure out a, a non-custom home. So it's a more of a production home, even if you've got a lot of options and upgrades, you should be able to get all that figured out uh, in two weeks. And then if your permitting time takes longer, it just takes longer. For a custom home, I would say the the I the what I've seen builders be able to do is about two months if they've got all their processes in place. Now, every single one of those, I've seen um, six months is not unusual, anywhere from two months to six months on a production home. It can take people to get it figured out. Uh, and on a custom or on your lot, it can be, I would say four months to um, two years is what I'm seeing right now. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much all over the place. You know, during COVID, we had every excuse under the world why we can't do things. Now I have to take all those excuses out and figure out why we can. On a production side, um, in my old, my old world in production, if the contract is turned in and I have all the structural selections done, the footprint is done, there's no reason I can't go to permit. And then while the contract's being ratified and everything else, I'm already jumping the gun for permit. Then the secret from that point is make sure I got my secondary selections done. So to Jim's point, it, it, in that case, your, your, your soft cycle time and going to permit is negligible in the whole process because I'm jumping the gun to get to the permit. It depends where you're at, what they're asking for the permits. Can I master permit? Um, on the other side, to Jim's point, on this semi-custom or, or the custom side, and we won't have enough time to get too much into this, is in my world, I do a construction to perm loan. Construction to perm loan is they're they're closing on that loan right away, which now the clock is ticking, which now I got the buyer's attention. If I can do that, I've I've now made them comfortable because they've already got their rate locked in. The biggest thing that there is, I have to perform. So if they're dragging their feet and time's going on, that's falling back on me. To Jim's point, you have all those processes up front and make sure your buyers understand what that timeline is. And we teach this to, we, we talk about this all the time. You have to give the buyers a schedule and they have to meet it. Now, if they're meeting the schedule, you can't drop the ball. So the whole team has to understand that to get those cycle times down. Yeah. We spend a lot of time on this, Emma. Um, this is what we spend with our clients a lot because the key thing isn't the kind of house or the location in the country. It's the builder's processes. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's, the, it's, it's how the builder's, work with their customers, how they set expectations, how they create efficiencies in the way they do their work. 
That mm -hmm. is the most Im important impact, not only on the soft cycle, but on the construction cycle and the quality of the plans and specifications. Absolutely. That's the discipline. You yep. forgot that one word. <laughs> I, I, I knew we would get to that sooner or later. Yep. Yep. The discipline. I do have another question on um, software, but I'm going to hold that till the end because I have a couple other, uh, one more question, two more quick questions I want to go through and then we'll close it off with that. Um, uh, by improving cycle times, can we eliminate or reduce some of the challenges we're facing in the current market conditions? Define that. What, what, what are we are you talking about? The trades, the buyers, which side are you talking about or all of it? All of it with with well, the well with the craziness of the market we've got right now the biggest issue because we've had a different issue every six months since uh, March of 2020 but currently the biggest issue is the um, interest rates I think is well, one of the bigger issues that we're facing. I would say yes, and I maybe it wasn't clear. And it doesn't matter what we call the current market conditions are being interest rate, trade suppliers, lack of customers. Uh, d difficulties with trades. You you pick what it is. Mm -hmm. But if if we can do really two things really well, then we will solve uh, about seventy five percent of those problems and be able to to react uh, better and respond better. And those two things are having complete one hundred percent complete and accurate floor plan construction drawings that fit and are designed for the budget and needs of the person who's gonna buy and live in that home. Not the owner of your building company, not everybody who's on the in the purchasing and sales department, but the people who are gonna buy that home. And then the second thing is all of the processes nailed down, especially the building process, which we typically call a construction schedule. If we get all of those things nailed down and in, those two things nailed down and enforced, all the rest of it flows really well. Ed, go ahead. Jim, I can't agree with you more on the plans. We were just on an assignment a couple of months back and walking the house with the, uh, with the superintendent. There were so many things missing that the superintendent is, is looking for answers. So the plans, the process, the procedures, one really dumb thing is have the plan, not an 80 page set of plans, have the plans for that lot and that buyer. So. Yeah. These poor trades aren't paging through 80 pages. Um, when I asked the builder, you know, why don't you do this? He says, well, my architect cost me cost thousands of dollars to do that. I said, we'll go find another architect then. Right. Because it doesn't cost that. If they set the plans up properly, I've seen builders are paying $200 fees just to get the plan specific. Okay. You know, the highest rate that I've seen recently was $600, and that was a more complex plans. So agree with Jim. Have the best process and plans possible so you can build fast. Excellent. So I have one last question that I'm going to go to the um, question submitted by Jerry, but can you summarize in a few words how managing your schedules and cash flow will make you a builder of choice? Well, let's start with our customer's perspective. Mm -hmm. If we can manage, if we can promise a schedule and deliver on that schedule and it's quick enough for them to be able to lock up their interest rate um, and be able to sell their home and move all, all in a planned manner, we will get more customers, way more customers, and they will be happier. From a trade partner's perspective, if that job is ready and the, 
the schedule is reliable. When I told them two weeks ago, when I told them that here's my, my game plan over the next six months so they know what crews that they should be getting, um, if they can count on completing their work and then getting paid in a predictable way once that work is complete, you will have the very best trades wanting to devote their very best crews to you all the time. Mm -hmm. and, and from your own company's perspective, if you're not driving everybody nuts in your company about trying to go fix some schedule that didn't work right, everyone's lives will be way more pleasant and way more productive. So just from those three perspectives, uh, I think we talked about from a lender's perspective, if, if they can rely on you to, to complete that home and get it closed and get them paid back, you're gonna get better treatment from, from your lenders and you'll pay a lot less in interest. So th those are just a few uh, people who, who or, or I would say target groups who can benefit from you being a builder of choice when it comes to your construction schedule being reliable. That's awesome. I love that summary. I think it pretty much encompasses the whole thing. All of the people that you need to be working with in order to be a successful home builder, you summed it right up. Did you have anything you wanted to add, Ed? Uh, the only thing I would really add is I agree with, with Jim on the trades. You know, the other stuff, 100% agree as well. The trades, once you can get the trades understanding and building faster, they're giving you the best trades. They're giving you the full crews. Yep. And somebody else is getting the, the, the half, you know what, crews. Once you get the best crews, they're building faster. They're working together. They're working alongside each other. Your superintendent's getting better quality. I build one time and I build quality. What's going to make a buyer happier than getting a quality home on time yeah. and the interest rate that they were promised? Not that hard. Exactly. exactly. Right ding, on. ding, ding. That's what we, and that's your competitive advantage, right? There you go. You're, you're taking yep. the best, you're getting the best customers. You're getting the best employees. You're getting the best trades. And you're getting the best rates. What more could yep. you possibly want? Exactly. Okay. Real quickly before, um, we close up because I know Ed, Ed's getting ready to fly over to uh, New Orleans for a superintendent class. Um, Jerry wants to know, he says he knows it's not the intent of the show, but do we have any recommendations for him to review for software that he can use for scheduling? Microsoft Project, Builder Trend, Procore. Are there any software systems that you would recommend that he look into to um, help with a scheduling process? Yes. Um, first is if he is using some kind of enterprise resource program, you know, a builder oriented program like Mark System or Cova or Constellation, or there's all kinds of them out there, Bricks. Use the schedule program that's in that. Start with that because then it's integrated with everything else. Number two, um, any schedule program that you and your superintendents will actually use is the one to do. Um, we, everyone that you mentioned, we have builders who use it uh, and we have builders who uh, are successful with it. And we have many builders who are not successful with every single one of those. I've seen some builders who use their Microsoft calendar and, and, and download that into Excel and produce all kinds of things. And they're disciplined enough to make that work. Well, um, I've seen people use Primavera and fancy um commercial construction scheduling programs and they look really pretty and nobody's showing up on time. So it, it, it's the schedule that will actually work 
probably the one that's most commonly used by people who tell me is, is builder trend. Um, but only a few people I've noticed are actually doing the discipline that we were talking about today. Just, just go back to what Ed was talking about, being there in the morning with adequate crew size, being there in the, in the evening to make sure that job is all correct and all complete. It doesn't matter what the software is that you use. If you're not paying attention to those basic mm -hmm. human performance elements, it won't, it won't work for you. And if you do those basic elements, any software will work. Yep. And that's basic. I mean, that leads right into what we're going to be talking about at our executive summit in April. Um, <laughs> the genius answers, Jerry says, uh, thanks. The genius in the answer is the one that you'll use. Yep. And, right and on. Um, yep. for our, our program that we're doing in April for our executive summits, it's human intelligence before artificial intelligence. So one of the key things too that 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 um, Jim said was not only is it the one that you'll use, but are have you set it up properly before you implement um, some sort of software system? Because you can put anything you want in a software system, but if it hasn't been thought through properly, the software system isn't going to work. Yep. Correct. Ed, you've um, seen a few a few hundred of these as well, haven't you? Yeah. So, so, so Jim, I was laughing. I had to mute myself because I was laughing. But the one that we'll actually use is important. I do like one that's integrated instead of having everybody trying to talk systems talk outside of the box to each other. Yeah. Um, and yep. and as you're as you're doing your your recon on whatever software, go ask about their reports. I don't want to. Mm -hmm. So the one they use is fine, but if, if they're using it, it doesn't tell me it doesn't tell me anything. It's useless. I want to know the reports. I want to know the manpower. Uh, and the other thing, when you're doing your recon, ask to ask to go talk to a couple of customers. Exactly. Uh, I was... Yeah, Jim talked and mentioned a couple of them. I, I like I like a lot of what they do. Um, but if you'll use it and you get good reports and you can support the, the, your your superintendents with it, then then you got a win win. Yeah, absolutely. That is correct. Yeah, we're, we're seeing some people, since any software really doesn't cover all of your needs, um, we're, we're seeing people uh, try and find ways to, uh, to write programs where they can link software together and create the reports that they need. Uh, one of the people we work with a lot, vendors called Skew World, and they, they've created a really good way to to warehouse the data from any kind of program and then produce all kinds of management reports that, that work really well for people too. So yeah. that, that's another thing that we're seeing more and more uh, happen. Yep, exactly. Well, thank you, Jim. Thank you, Ed. Um, thank you for joining us today, um, whether you're listening. Oh, wait, one more time. Uh, oh. Stacy says to recommend doing scheduling for profit before selecting any software. So, and I don't have my calendar up in front of me, but I can post, we do have scheduling yes. for profit coming up in 2024. So yes, be sure that you join us for that and or superintendent, the superintendent's job. They also do cover some scheduling stuff, not as in depth as the scheduling for profit one, but yes, it's a great class. And we have so much fun in that. We did that in Denver in, uh, I think April this last year. So um, it should be coming up in the first half of the year. Um, so keep your eyes open for that. Um, thank you again for joining us today. Um, you can continue learning by visiting our website at builderpartnerships.com or shinconsulting.com to get a full list of our events. 
Um, we're still taking registrations for managing for profit taking place next week in New Orleans. So Jim and Ed are going to be there. I'll be there. It'd be great to see some of you all in person. Um, and take advantage of our other services that are designed to help you and your organization become a builder of choice. Builder groups, also known as, oh, scheduling for profit is in Atlanta. Thank you, Lisa, on uh, February 5th through the 6th. Oh, I love Lisa. You're the best. <laughs> um, and uh, make sure you check out our builder groups, our online learning. We have technical training. So all of those superintendents that just came straight out of college, but still need some technical training. We have online training for that on-demand training as well. We have some classes. There's a metrics class that Emma did. Emma Shin, our, one of our founders that she did um, is on there. And then we have one-on-one -on -one consulting, coaching, or training. So if you're looking for ways to get your, um, schedule an order and would like Ed or Jim to come out and visit with you, give us a call. And um, we also have private group training for your organization. So if anybody's company is looking for us to come out and do a superintendent's class or managing for profit for your whole organization, we do that too. So with that, I want to thank you guys for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you at future webinars. We have several coming up, so keep your eye out for the calendar. And um, we'll be working with a company called... Um, Permit Flow and another company called Maverick that are going to be do, doing webinars between now and the middle of November. So we will be busy. No webinar Wednesday next week because we will all be at Managing for Profit. So we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, everybody.